Okay, questions. Um, yes. 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 Seventh Day Adventism has a is it, there's a spectrum of them. I mean, I've I've seen some that really all it seems like is they meet on Saturday and not a whole lot more. And I've met some on the other end of the spectrum who get really weird. Um, I've I've uh, I had some friends of mine who became this and they were committed vegans and that was part of their religion. They had a prophet and a living active scripture writing ish prophet living up in Canada. I mean, it was just weird. And so I, so seventh day Adventism is, there's a gamut of, I, I, I don't know what the majority, I have little actual direct interactions with them. So I'm aware, okay, there's some groups that hold to this. As I understand it, there are Seventh-day Adventist churches that we would probably recognize as brothers and sisters and not having a compromised gospel, and there certainly are Seventh-day Adventists we would not. Um, anyone want to add any clarity or, or yes? It was, it's been Googled. Well then, a prophet has spoken. Okay. And all said the same thing about they don't believe your, your sins are totally forgiven. Mm. Um, and then when the second coming, when Jesus comes back, that's when some people, it'll be weighed as to whether. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that certainly seems to be a major tenant of a good portion, if not all. I'm just hesitant to say that's all Seventh day Adventism, just because I don't know enough. But yeah, there does seem to be, not, there doesn't seem to be, there certainly is a works salvation presented in a majority, if not all, of Seventh-day Adventism. Also, denial of hell, eternal hell, right? That's another key. Again, I don't know if this is, is, is universal or if this is majority. Um, you can lose your salvation? I think their official, their official stance is a rejection of salvation by grace alone, but then there's churches that okay. like okay. 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 So, so what I'm getting is officially on paper and in their official writings, they are gonna they're gonna hold to a works system of justification. Yet there are congregations that have moved more towards the gospel or or a grace faith alone and movement. Also, they also do reject. There, there's also, um, regardless, as far as I know, all Seventh Day Adventists. Um, believe that the founder actually her writings were like it was yeah as a woman that founded it um, yeah prophetess her her writings were scripture like okay are, like the secret okay. have an additional book. okay so they've got additional revelation um, okay she supposedly was the only one Where have we heard that before? Sure. Okay. 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 Yeah, I'm not a terribly good authority. I've just had very little direct interaction. You sort of tend to read up on what you're likely to encounter. I have not encountered much by way of Seventh-day Adventism. So um, Google would probably be a better, more trustworthy site than me. Um, 
Phil Johnson. Um, Phil, he would, right? He's like MacArthur's hitman, you know. He's like, hey, Phil, hey, Phil, here's this new heresy. Go deal with it. And then Phil will preach and blog and, you know, there'll be a crater left after he's done. So, what? I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Um, no, he's a great guy, but, but that seems to be a particular use that, that, that he's, he's used for. It's like every shepherd's conference. I'm like, I wonder who he's going to blast this year. No, I mean, seriously, for a while there, it was, it was kind of like, okay. Um, what? Phil, Phil Johnson. Um, yeah. And I'm not suggesting the guy's a jerk. I'm just saying he's, he's one of the more doctrinally savvy, precise guys in MacArthur's sort of staff in the church. He's, he's the editor of Grace to You. Like, if you've ever read a John MacArthur book, Phil Johnson's got his hands all over that with putting the manuscript together. And he's just particularly good at critiquing bad theology. And so every year it would seem like at the Shepherds Conference, somebody would direct him to deal with one thing or another, you know, whether it's a book review or dealing with whatever. So anyway. Anyway, any other questions from what's on your mind or from this text this morning or Luke or anything? Yes. Um, in the Revelation 14 10. Yes. 14, 10, yes. I was so, I've read that obviously before, but yeah. I was so surprised with the realization of the Holy Spirit that it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, what it means is, um, what Psalm 139 means, if I descend into Sheol, you are there. And what I was trying to say is that there is absolutely truth, and it's even biblical, this talk about hell is separation from God. They're cast into outer darkness. They are removed from God's presence. Um, the problem is it's often very popular to simply describe hell that way, um, as if there is no actual active punishment. It's simply... God will give you what you want. You want to be away from God? He lets you let away from God. And all it is is just the isolation and the aloneness. And, and so there's, it's, a, it's true. It's also true, according to Revelation 14, that God is present in a very real way in hell. And, and that's the other piece. And my explanation of that is, is a, an omnipresent God, how can you ever be out of the presence of an omnipresent God? What you're away from is his, all the things that, we cherish and we desperately need his mercy, his patience, his grace, his forgiveness. I mean, God will never be merciful to people in hell, right? He will never be patient with them. He will never be gracious to them. He has been patient with them. He has been merciful. He has been loving. Once they enter into judgment, all that ends. They get pure, perfect. The whole picture of the cup of his wrath unmixed is undiluted, Full strength, no, no holding back, no, you're getting the full treatment. And, and the one who's presiding over that is God himself. In other words, it's not as though God made a really, really terrible place, and then the really, really terrible place does the bad stuff to people. What's Hebrews 12 say? Our God is a consuming fire, and it's in the picture of judgment, which is, in other words, what God saves us from is God. <laughs> Um, it, it, these are hard and heavy truths, but um, the, the John the Baptist point is he will he will destroy them. I mean, so the people who are being um, punished in hell are being punished by God, um, and there's and so Revelation 14 shows us that there's a sense in which they're being punished in His presence, like He's aware of it. You know, He's 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 present. I mean, Psalm 139, if, where can I go depart from Your presence? So. 
So hell is separation from God, but really it's separation from all those parts of God, attribute parts. God is not like a gumball machine with this part and this part and this part, but um, it's, it's separation from all of his blessings. It's You're going to deal with God purely as a just potentate, a just lawgiver and a holy and righteous judge, and that's it. Not as a father, not as a savior, not as a, not as a friend. You get to deal with God as judge, period, full stop, done. Yes. Oh, then Zeb. Yeah. No, no, no. No. Yes. Yes. Well, well, both, both, no, no, and no, and and when, when we got to do is balance both of those truths. What Juan, what Juan just pointed out is, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. God doesn't delight. Um, he, he does not delight in the death of the wicked, which is what Ezekiel says. Um, that that uh, we got to balance that out. Here, here's the thing: we got, I got to ask though, Wanda, will heaven in eternity future be a less joyful place because in heaven we will be aware of the sufferings in hell? You can't hold heaven hostage. So what we've got to say is God's not a sadist. He does not take, I mean, and I take Ezekiel literally, he does not take pleasure. He's not like, I want to get you good. He, he's not a sadist. And there's a very real sense in which, especially while the, while the offer is out there, while, they're, while in their experience, their fate is undecided, um, that, that there's a longing and a pleading, and we are, we are, with 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you be reconciled to God, right? Um, yet once, once in their experience, their, feet, their, their fate is sealed. God is a righteous judge who delights in justice. So the picture I get is this. The judge who orders the murderer to the, to the gallows isn't a sadist. He's not like, great, I get to see another hanging. But he can go home satisfied that he did justice was done, and I take pleasure in that. He's not weeping as he issues the sentence. He's not a sadist either. He's delighting in justice. That's what we get in Scripture. God's delight in his justice. God's delight in doing what is right. God's delight in the vindication of the son and and his... So here are these people who rejected and cursed his son, and because he loves his son, he's... He's, there's a sense in which the justice of hell vindicates the righteousness of God. Um, does that make it? So, no, there is, certainly is a balance. And let me add one more point, and then I'll get to Zeb. These are things I take on faith. I, I fully believe that when you and I are at the final judgment, we will have no more questions. And, and, and I fully get that emotionally, I can be tempted to think that hell sounds like an overreaction. Emotionally, I can, I can certainly be tempted to think that. Um, I am convinced on the day of judgment, I will not feel that way, that I will see and I will understand, and, and, the, and the equation will... I take it that the equation balances out now on faith, then on sight. Does that, does that make sense? So I'm, there's, there's an illustration that I'll use that, I, that a friend of mine gave me that I find helpful, and God hardwired us with a sense of justice, and so we get that if I take a baseball bat, I've used this illustration before, right? The baseball bat one? Okay. Take a baseball bat and I smash your mailbox. 
what type of punishment will I likely get? Community service, pay a fine, right? It's my first offense. Take a baseball bat, smash your car up. I might actually serve some jail time now. Um, maybe, maybe not, but it'll be a more stringent punishment. Take a baseball bat and I smash your knees. I will definitely serve time, years in jail, right? Take a baseball bat, kill someone, hit him in the head. In some states, I could lose my own life, right? In every instance, I have taken a baseball bat and swung it illegally so as to damage property that is not my own. What accounts for the escalating punishment? The value of the object transgressed, right? We get that. So now, what punishment is fitting an infinitely valuable object? See, it's only because we don't really grasp God's holiness and his goodness and his value that hell can be tempted to be seen as an overreaction. When we see God, we will... Here's, here's the phrase. I don't know who came up with it. It's a classic Reformation phrase. Justice will be done and justice will be seen to be done. In other words, now we take God's word that this is the fitting punishment. When, when, when judgment is done on the final day, every, everyone will see that justice. Even those condemned to hell will admit that is the fitting sentence. They will not be crying out that this is a miscarriage of justice, that this is an... Uh, every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Justice will be seen to be done by everyone. And we no longer will have to take God's word on it solely. But right now, we take God's word on it. Um, yes, Seb? Um, two things. Well, first up, just to kind of put a little bit of perspective in with, with what Wanda was saying. Later on in Revelation, in chapter 19, um, it says, After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. So, there will be a point in which the saints will be praising God for his judgments. Yeah. Um, which I think it's, it's hard for us to see that because right now we're, yeah. we have a, a very small view of the madness of our sin. Yeah. Um, and, but what I was going to say as far as the separation, going back to that, um, ultimately it is us in front of God with no mediator. Mm. That's, that's the yeah. That's exactly hell is what Adam and Eve should have had yeah. immediately. But right. not immediately. Yes, so so for the tape, um, or for the file, it's not a tape, is it? Um, for the recording. Hell is, I know, I think that's an apt description. Hell is being in the presence of a holy God without a mediator or shield or way of escape with an indestructible body. That's the, that's what's frightening about hell. What would now destroy us, we're given bodies that cannot be destroyed, and then all of eternity is spent. Yeah, it's, it's a frightful, frightful thing. And we don't want to shy away from teaching what the Bible teaches. Um, admittedly, and, and these are probably the doctrines that are most, most repugnant to our generation. And there may have been a time when people were just firing brimstone preachers, pounding. I don't think we live in that time now. I mean, certainly people like to make those caricatures. I've yet to see a fire and brimstone. That's all they do is scare people with hell. I think, if anything, we don't talk about it enough. Uh, I think the pendulum swung the other way, but okay. 
Um, Carol. No, 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 no. No, but there's nothing God does that he doesn't delight in doing. In other words, I think the, the, if there's pleasure in the judgment, it's in right, what is right being done, justice being done. It's not a sadistic pleasure in the suffering of the object, but rather the scales are now balanced. The wrongdoers have been punished. The, the innocent have been vindicated. The, the, um, that's the delight of God in judgment, not... Look at that one squirm. You're absolutely right. There's, that, and that's the whole point. He's not a sadist. But at the same time, we don't want to go the other way. And I've heard people picture as if God's saying, don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. Don't, 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 don't make me do it. And, and that's not the picture we get either. Um, Jesus, I came to bring fire, and I wish it was now. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with that? And so we've got to walk this tightrope, a biblical tightrope, we keep things in balance where you, and, and of course, the more I grow in the faith, and i got a lot of growing to do yet, I think the challenge is getting things in balance so that you can have a lopsided balance where all you hear is, come unto me all you, come, weeping over Jerusalem, and you're going to have a really hard time with, I came to bring fire and a sword, right? You're, you're, that's going to be, you know, that's not going to fit in your little box. On the other side, you can just have, you know, Jesus on a white horse, Jesus bringing fire and judgment, and, and people don't hear the meek and gentle Savior of the gospel saying, come unto me all you are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and gentle of heart. Um, the challenge is, of course, presenting Jesus in a full sense where both are present um, and, and not overemphasizing or deemphasizing one or the other. And so, no, absolutely, amen. And the challenge, as always, is going to be balance. Um, because you can selectively pick your texts and you, you end up with that sort of Jesus hat in hand saying, please, please don't make me, don't make me judge you, please. That's not the biblical presentation, but you got this other extreme where Jesus is just going to blow everybody up and, you know, yeehaw, America. And, and that's not, that's not right either, you know, <laughs> obviously. Um, so, is, Israel. It's not America. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Any, yes, Jim. So, uh, if, if God is ongoing present uh, for the souls that have been condemned, will the citizens of heaven, the believers, also be aware of that? And I, th- I, th- and, oh, go, go. Well, it goes beyond that. In the, in the new heavens, okay, through, through the, um, through the, hold on, go just go to Revelation. Let's look at it. Um, I don't know what happens after Revelation 21. Fair, okay. 
I mean, other, chapter 22 happens, obviously, but, but it, it's, as regards to God's timetable, um, we, get, we get the briefest of brief pictures of the eternal state, meaning our understanding of eschatology is Christ returns, he judges the sheep and the goats, um, and we went through in Zechariah, he sets up a kingdom on earth, we have the earth much as it was before the fall. Uh, at the end of that time, um, man still revolts, and there's a final judgment, and the earth is destroyed, the universe is destroyed with fire, and then God makes a new creation. And Revelation 21, we are in that new creation. Um, verse 1, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away." I don't know, in this state, how much we're going to know and be aware of and remember of the former things. Isn't there one even says there's no more memory? I thought that was it. Or is that... Mm. Um, so, so I don't know, moving into the eternal state, just what... We're, I mean, there's certainly, in, through the book of Revelation, heaven is aware of what's going on on earth. Through the book of Revelation, heaven is aware of what's going on on earth. And they're singing and responding when God brings judgment. They're cheering. I mean, it's like there's a cheering section in heaven that's watching the, the game, for lack of a better word. They're aware of what's going on. And here, um, the former things are passed away. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. Where's the other one where he wipes away every tear from their eye? It's right in here. And hold on, I'll find it, because that's the other one I'm thinking of. 2014. Is that it? Hold on. 2014. Um, the second death like a fire. Uh, uh, no, 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 nope. Nope. Where is it? Um, I am not finding it. Okay. Anyway, so I, I don't know much about the eternal state and what we'll be aware of, what we won't be aware of. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Right. What's the reference? Seven seventeen. Revelation seven seventeen. Okay, let's twenty one four. Okay. Weren't we just at twenty one four? Seven seventeen. Let's try that. Um, no, I thought there was no more memory. I'm going to go do a quick search on memory. Then if I can't find it on my phone, perhaps I made it up. We'll see. Um, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's there. Mem or memory. 11 hits. And nope. It's not in the ESV. Okay. I'm Revelation. I might have made it up. Or is there some? Tra so I thought there was some, at least some translation. I'm remembering the, the memory of the former things will be no more or something. But okay. 
Okay. Then we'll just move on off of the verse that I imagined. Um, let's just wipe that from the tape entirely. That'll be good. Yeah. Okay. Yes. There's no, well, I don't, again, I don't have a ton of knowledge. It could just be that God makes the inhabitants of heaven aware of those events he wants them to be aware of. Revelation demonstrates that the inhabitants of heaven have an awareness of earthly events. We don't know if they have an unfettered access to that awareness. We don't know if they always have an awareness. We just know that at times they do. Um, we also know that Elijah and Moses came down and talked to Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration. They had some awareness of what was going on in his life and ministry. Um, we, it's probably dangerous to infer too much. They certainly could. There's no reason they can't. Um, I couldn't say they absolutely do, but um, they certainly could. They may well be aware of what's going on down here. Um, so... Well, I'll give you an example of one. In, in Revelation 5, under the throne of God is the, all the martyrs who've been killed for the word, and they cry out, How long, O Lord, till you avenge our blood? Well, that, what does that mean? They know that it hasn't happened yet. They know that judgment hasn't come yet. Um, so there's some knowledge of earthly events. I, I don't know how full or extent or how open that is, but they, they melt, when someone says they're watching us from above... They may well be, although I don't think in heaven the real, everyone's eyes will be tuned to down here. I think there may be someone, something more noteworthy. Um, <laughs> so I think if whatever knowledge they have of us, we won't be the center stage. I mean, that, that is just like us, though, to think that we're still center stage, right? Even after they've died and gone to heaven, they'll be looking at me. <laughs> yes, James. <gasps> That's what I'm, thank you. I didn't make it up. I knew it somewhere. Um, my brain just is mush. Um, Isaiah 65, 17. Yes. I knew it was in connection with the new heavens and the new earth. Thank you, James. James, you're the man. Okay. We can keep the tape now. Okay. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. There we go. There we go. I, I knew that was somewhere. Um, and I just thought it was, and I knew it was connected to the New Heavens and New Earth. I just assumed it was Revelation. Thank you, James. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's, I mean, it's prophetic, it's prophetic literature, so I don't know how much of it's hyperbole, how much of it is figurative, how much of it's absolutely literal. And when you're dealing with Isaiah, um, I probably would lean more towards the literal and straightforward. Um, so to what degree will the former things not be remembered? Well, if you press that too far, I won't remember that Jesus died for me. I can't really envision heaven like that. So I wouldn't want to press it too, too hard. But it means something. So I don't know where in between no memory of anything and complete and total remembrance of everything, that falls. So that's where I don't fully know. Yes, Jim. Um, when it comes to people in heaven being able to see what's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when you were studying Revelation, mm. on the, at the sixth seal, yeah. um, it says, this is uh, Revelation 6, I'm starting with verse 16, and this is part of the sixth seal. Judgment. Okay.
Okay. Yeah. No, what you get in Revelation is very much the, the uh, God peeks from behind the curtain and says, hello there. <laughs> and all those people that you meet who said, if only I could be, if only there was evidence for God, if only I could talk to him, when, when there's no longer any atheists because God is the present, so whatever that means, they're aware there's God. Their response is, rocks fall on me, hide me from him. They don't say, want to get a cup of coffee? You know, they, yes, Mary. The, there's a God, but I don't like him is probably the most biblical description of unbelief. That's, the demons are not atheists. They just don't like God. Um, that's, that's, that's right on. That's right on. We've got one minute. Time for a quick thought or question. Oh, Martin Luther, before, before, discovering, the, the, before discovering the gospel, that was his big thing. He, he was terrified of, but oftentimes found himself hating or despising or finding nothing attractive about this God. Um, and let me let me... Let me say this last word, and then we'll break for our going to get some chili. I, I really think it's critical when you try to deal with the Bible's narrative and when you, um, when you deal with the problem of evil, you've got to start from the right direction. If, if you come at it from, there's a God, and he's sending people to hell, and there's judgment, but he's not going to send, he's going to save us, but now he's not saving everyone, and hell's, you, you, you you're pushing the narrative one way, and what you're really practically starting with are there are these nice, decent people. And here's the stuff that happens to the nice, decent people. You've you got to flip it backwards. You've got to start with there are these rebels who from their first breath are warring with and fighting against the living God. And this God is so good and so holy, and the, and the, the consequence of their sin is so great that they deserve to be utterly blotted out and destroyed. An amazing wonder of wonders, he doesn't. And he gives them time, and he sends them rain, and he, and he makes the crops grow, and he knits them together in the womb, and he gives them times for joy. And he, the patience of God, according to Romans 2, is calling all men to repentance, and, and they don't. And he sends them his word, and he sends them his prophets, and they turn a deaf ear, and they harden their hearts, and they stiffen their neck, and this God still saves some. That is the storyline of the Bible. We are supposed to be in awe and wonder that anyone is saved, not... Well, why didn't you save everyone? You're coming out from the exact wrong direction. Um, and it just shows how entitled we feel that, you know, if God's going to save anyone, then he must save everyone. I mean, it, it's, it's just coming out completely backwards. Anyway, on that note, we will break, and I hope to see you guys at our uh, fifth Sunday Fellowship Chili Cook-Off Contest and lunch. God bless.